There are some persons who clamor that we Jesus followers have some strange habits and some strange expectations. But I'm here to tell you this morning, Chuck and Grandma in the Ganges and standing Aunt Stiff as a board upright at her funeral ain't one of them. Pastor here at New Life Community Church. I trust you know who you are. Thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you up one side and down the other as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're going to be wrapping up actually part one of a pretty important series that we've been teaching here at New Life deals with the issue of the resurrection. Now, I suggest to you, actually, uh, more than suggest to you as we conclude our program each week that Jesus is coming back. And I ask, is He coming back for you? Now listen, before He could come back, He had to leave. And that's what the resurrection is all about. The resurrection is very important. The resurrection is the thing that separates Jesus from all of the other would-be saviors out there, regardless of what cult leader it might be. Jesus was the only one that pre predicted his resurrection, and actually was resurrected. His resurrection was a first fruits resurrection. We're going to talk about that a little bit and what that means. Uh, ultimately, what that means for you and myself is that we too have a great hope of resurrection. Not just this present life and this veil of sorrows, but the world to come, an eternity with God. The resurrection makes all of that possible. Our text passage for this particular teaching is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And oh, how many families I've shared that with at gravesides over the years. Uh, but that is our text passage. And we're going to look at another additional passage right now. And it's found in John chapter 20. We're going to begin reading around verse 27. John chapter 20 and verse number 27, the record puts it this way. Then he said to Thomas, one of the twelve, one of the apostles, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Verse 28, Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. What a great story. I trust you'll be encouraged by this. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every person listening to this telecast right now, whether live or later. And I pray that by your word, you would speak hope into their hearts. Help us to know and understand your resurrection and what it means for our own. We pray, we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'll be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. fortified abode that we're told they locked the door. There's a reason why we were told that. And apparently there was something mystifying about his entry into the room. For notice 
the middle part of verse 19, John 20, Jesus said, peace be with you. Hey, if grandma shows up for the tater salad after the burial and she speaks, I hope she says, peace be with y'all. We're going to need it. Are you with me? There's a reason why he said, peace be with you. Isn't that wonderful? Think about that, all the things we go through in life. Jesus showed up. Nobody expected him to show up. He showed up anyways, and he says, peace be with you. Apparently, they heard it. Verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They recognized him. How many of you know this morning, beloved, that ghosts do not have hands and rib cages that can be touched? Now, I know that for a fact. I've seen Casper the Friendly Ghost on television. Are you with me? They don't have hands and ribs that can be uh, touched. And they also saw or recognized the Lord. Now, it just so happened that the Apostle Thomas, and he was nicknamed, he was called Didymus. I'm not making that up. It's a word that means the twin. He had a twin brother. He was absent from their presence, or absent from their presence, with this first reappearance of Jesus to the twelve. But he put forth something that has actually served to help us tremendously. Look at verse 25. When the other disciples told him that they had seen the Lord, and can't you imagine that conversation? Thomas, you're not going to believe this. We saw Jesus. Jesus come back to this room last Sunday afternoon. But when the other disciples told him, he declared... Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. How many of you know there's one in every church? <laughs> Don't believe it. Ain't going to believe it. He said, I'm not going to believe it. Till I see it for myself. I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but think of the skepticism perhaps may be more realistic than we can imagine. Uh, you know that that sort of thing, resurrections don't happen every day, right? So a week later, they're all together again. And this time, including Thomas. And verse 27 tells us this. Then he said to Thomas, Jesus, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Oh, man, what a great message for me to put before you this morning. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, which indicates to us that he was now a believer. Here's the point to be made. Fill in number five with me on your study notes. This was not a ghost before them. This was not just a, a spirit standing over in the corner. 
it was the resurrected Jesus with a physical body that could be touched. Physical enough to yet bear the scars of his prior crucifixion and even mutilation, if you please, and he was recognizable. They recognized who he was. Now let me real quick just insert something here to reemphasize the, the culture and the thinking of the world during Paul's time as he began to talk about these things and teach these truths or to pass these truths on even to us. At the time of the writing of our text passage, this letter to the Corinthians, both in the city of Corinth and in the Roman world, which was vast for that time, there were three philosophies, count them, one, two, three philosophies concerning death and life after death, very briefly, it was Stoicism, Epicureanism, and what we know as Platonism. Watch this. If you'd go to Acts chapter 17 and verse 18, and I'm not going there now, Paul visited Athens, and this is the record of it. It was on his second of three missionary journeys, and he debated there with these Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. This is who I'm talking about. Both sects, the Epicureans and the Stoics, for various reasons. And I spent hours on this, and I just, I really spent hours trying to distill this down to what I'm trying to tell you right now. But for various reasons, they would reject Paul's proclamation, actually, God's proclamation of the bodily resurrection. They didn't buy it. Plato developed a version of reincarnation. Now think about this. Reincarnation is certainly a twisted perversion of the resurrection, but that's what he advocated for. These same debates continue. The same debates continue even today, but the good news of the God of the gospel reigns eternal. These debates might falter and fade away, but the good news about God's gospel reigns eternal, beloved, and I trust you'll take courage with that. Now, let me begin to wind down this morning. I'm headed to number six on your study notes. I want you to understand the original meaning that leads to our English word resurrection is Anastasia Necron. Literally, it means this. Fill this in with me. Standing up of a corpse. Standing up of a corpse. Now, I want to tell you two stories, and there's a point to be made, and I think they're hilarious. I'll try not to just bust a gut right here in front of you. But they're true, both of them. Approximately one year ago, ironically, and it's May 21st of 20. One or 22nd of 21, I had that inverted. In Sujabad, India. Any of you happened to be there a year ago? In Sujabad, India, as dawn broke over the Ganges River, someone noticed several bodies stuck up in the shallows among the first of hundreds that would be found stuck up in the sand across the region. You got a mental picture of that? All these little bodies stuck up. A 35-year-old man, whom shall remain nameless, but a 35-year-old man, he was named in the article, 
says this, and I quote, We had no idea where they had come from. This water is sacred for all of us. We believe that if you dip in it even once, you are protected for life. She, the river, is our goddess. The mystery surrounding the bodies has not been solved, but many believe that families resorted to extreme measures because they could not, during the COVID pandemic, they could not afford to have their relatives cremated, so they just ended up stuck up on the river Ganges. I'm sorry, but that just, I guess that's not funny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I thought that was funny. Many social media users, we have any of those here? Storytellers. Many social media users have been left stupefied. How have they been left? Stupefied, I say. They've been left stupefied after the photo appeared online, surfaced online, of a woman's corpse standing up at her own funeral. She was embalmed that way. I have a picture of it. I was going to put it on the screen. I didn't want to lose my whole congregation this morning. It's quite hilarious. The, the image was shared by a Twitter user. And here's what he said, quote, Sharing the image of the corpse, he captioned, This lady passed away, and they have her body standing up at her hashtag funeral. May look odd, but this shows some real improvements. <laughs> Apparently, she wasn't much of a looker before she passed. I'm just telling the story, folks. I don't make this up. Goes on to say, while this may seem strange to many, it is worthy of note that there are many strange, odd burial customs and traditions from around the world. (laughs) Now, there are some persons who clamor that we Jesus followers have some strange habits and some strange expectations. But I'm here to tell you this morning, Chuck and Grandma in the Ganges and standing Aunt Stiff as a board upright at her funeral ain't one of them. Are you with me so far? Now, here's the point to be made. Do not try this at home. I am a professional. Most people couldn't make a point out of this. I'm not sure I'm going to. I can't think of anything in this wide world or the world to come that is any more encouraging than our Father God, Abba Father, purposing a plan, come up with it from His throne, whereby you and I, whoever you and I might be, may be able to leave this present existence at some point in time with the certain hope of being with Him, not leaving with the hope of lying in the dirt from now on, but with the hope of being resurrected just like Jesus was and spending all eternity with God. I can't think of anything any more encouraging than that. Can you? Hallelujah. Look in verse 32 of our, our text chapter. 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. You understand what he's saying? We have to be of all men most foolish. 
if Jesus wasn't resurrected. We should be eating and drinking with the rest of them. Can I also say this? You know, I, I pondered this this week, and this is a revelation hot off the press. Apparently, there are a lot of people in the church who do not believe in the resurrection because they are engaging and indulging in this eating and drinking with the attitude, tomorrow we die. But beloved, we, the members of the forever family of God, have much more than human hopes. Much more than human hopes. Number seven, we want to leave you with this. Jesus was resurrected. Will you draw a circle or a box or something around was? Jesus was resurrected. And because of that Bible fact, you can be also, you can put you in the blank or you can put your name in the blank. Put I in the blank. Because Jesus was resurrected, because of this Bible fact, I too can be. And beloved, with this truth put forth, there is no wonder in my mind that Paul put this exclamation point on the issue. Look at verse 34. He says, come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. Listen to me, church. There are way too many people making way too many excuses for a sinful, unrighteous lifestyle today, even among the church. We're called to a lifestyle of holiness. Paul says here, stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of God. What does that mean? That means there are some of your family members that haven't been born again yet. There are some people that you work with that haven't been born again yet. There's some clerks at Food Line that you bump into. They haven't been born again yet. And while you're acting all spiritually stupid, those people are losing hope of an eternity with God. Come back to your senses as you ought. Stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of God. Paul says, I say this to your shame. Listen to these couple of quotes from my literary mentor, Dr. J. Vernon McGee. He says, the gospel does not tell us something that we must do. The gospel tells us what Jesus Christ has already done for us. Don't you love that? Shed his blood and took that blood before the Father as a sacrifice to atone for our sin. According to Hebrews, the better blood. Jesus experienced that literal bodily resurrection as a first of a kind to ensure our own replication. Hey, let me ask you this morning. Are you resurrection ready? When's that there resurrection thing going to happen, Pastor Terry? I need to get that on my calendar. I don't know when it's going to happen. To be honest with you, I don't care. I'm just telling you Pastor T doesn't go through every day trying to figure that out. Here's what I do know. I'm supposed to be ready. Be ready. And that which is true for me is true for you. So the question comes back to, are you ready? Are you resurrection ready? Are you rapture ready? How do I get ready, Pastor Terry? By being born again. In these here parts, you hear the word saved throw out. Are you saved? You say so-and-so got saved. 
And that's biblical language, but I also love what Jesus said. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Who said that? Terry didn't make that up. That's what Jesus said. That's how you get resurrection ready, by being born again. Watch this. It's more than saying some words. It's an issue of the heart. According to 2 Corinthians, beloved, something changed. In fact, all things change and become new. That sin problem is fixed inside you when you are born again. I call it the click. You know something's happened. You might not be able to explain it, might not be able to articulate it to somebody else, but you know that you know that you know that something clicked. Let me tell you a story. You ready for this? I hope so because I'm going to tell it anyhow. Back before May the 8th, 1973, your pastor loved to puff on cigarettes. Yeah, I like to have me a showing my age, aren't I? Show did. Loved it. And I had this attitude, I can quit anytime I want to. I just don't want to. Heard that before? That was on May the 7th, 1973. But I went to the altar the next evening, May the 8th, in a little old country church. And some people prayed with me, and I was under heavy conviction. It was unreal. And Jesus came into my heart that night. I've never forgot it. Because let me tell you something. Something changed inside Terry that night. You can say there's no God. You can say I don't believe this stuff. I don't care. I'm telling you what I know. Something happened in Terry. And that next day, you know that thing that I love so much, of putting tar and nicotine into my lungs, I no longer wanted to do that. Now, you may not have that exact experience, experience my point is this something changed my want to change you can fill in the blank with the whole cigarette thing are you with me okay I'm not trying to beat up any particular habit in fact why don't we list some more can, can you give me four or five no 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 what, what's your habit well pastor I have a real problem with gossip and I can't wait to get out of here and tell this no listen something changed you'll know it pastor how will I know when I've been born again I'm telling you you'll know it then there's this other thing it's called receiving the Holy Spirit. You can call it whatever you want to call it. Baptism with the Holy Spirit, Spirit-filled, receiving the Spirit. It doesn't really matter what you call it as long as you experience it and testify to it and live it out. And beloved, that's what it means to be resurrection ready. Born again, changed from the inside out, filled with God's Holy Spirit, and then living as you ought. Not all this we sin every day in word, thought, and deed, and I'm going to make sure I do. None of that nonsense, which you will not find in the Word of God. But you live as you ought, and you're looking for Jesus. Are you looking for Jesus? Pastor, I've been looking for him ever since you reminded us earlier in the message that I've got to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> Please come, Lord. <laughs> we experienced that born-again event by confessing our sins, admitting to God that we're sinners, repenting of that sin. That means you purpose to turn from that lifestyle of sin toward 
a lifestyle of holiness toward the Lord, this repentance. You open up your heart's door and you ask Jesus to come in and he will by Holy Spirit. And you believe and you will believe because you're going to, you'll know it. You'll sense it. That's how that happens. It's not complicated. Beloved, we're going to wrap it up right there tonight. There's a whole nother part to this particular series. We'll look forward to sharing that with you in the weeks to come. But let me ask you right now before we go away, are you resurrection ready? Are you prepared for the resurrection? When I say to people, hey, Jesus is coming back, is he coming back for you? What I mean by that is, are you ready? You don't get ready for the resurrection while it's in progress or after it happens, you have to make preparations ahead of time. Pastor Terry, how do I do that? It's not complicated. It really isn't mechanically. You must be born again. The Bible teaches us in John chapter 3, Jesus was talking to a ruler of the Jews, and he said to him, Don't you be awestruck. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again, a spiritual rebirth. And you must be filled with the Spirit of God. Receive the Spirit of God. That makes you resurrection ready. Have you had that experience? Have you confessed your sins, admitted to God that you're a sinner, repented of your sins, opened up your heart's door and asked Jesus to come in to be the Lord of your life? And do you believe that that happened? Do you know? Do you have a confirmation of that in your own heart? If not, you could right now. No better time than right now to settle your eternal destiny with God. Jesus made the statement that there was only one way to the Father, and that was through Him. People claim there's all kinds of ways. There's not. Uh, it's been said to me from time to time, well, we're all headed to the same heaven. That's not true. Not all cults and schisms and uh, groups of people are headed to the same heaven because they're not looking for God or going through God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ. It's very important. And I know there are those who would say, hey, you Christians are so arrogant about this. No, we're not arrogant. That's just what God purposed and planned. That's what His Word outlines, the Bible that is. And we must follow God's plan and not make up our own um, way of getting there. It just will not work. Let me pray for you. Father, I lift up each one listening right now. I pray for those who have been born again and filled with your spirit and they're following after Jesus, living as they ought. I pray they would be encouraged by this message to continue doing what they're doing. And Father, I pray for those that have not been born again, those who have not received your spirit, those who are not living according to your purpose and plan. May they be convinced by your word of the truth that they need to find you through your Son, Jesus Christ, and establish a relationship with you by that means. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And let me say before I get out of here that uh, we would love to hear from you if you have some questions, some concerns, uh, especially more concerns about how to know Christ. You'd like to have more of a personal a conversation about that. The contact information is there somewhere on the screen. Uh, give us a call. Uh, email, whatever the case might be, and we would love to try to catch up with you. We're not looking to debate or argue. That's not what I'm saying. If you have some kind of an argument to give me a call, but if you have some legit questions, we would be more than happy to share with you what we know from the Word of God. 
Well, I have to get out of here. I do want to remind you that New Life has a regular schedule of activities Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We also have midweek activities Wednesday evening at 7, something for nearly every member of the family. And that might just include you. I trust it would. You have a great week. What's left of it? Terry Knighton reminding you, beloved, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you?